because of APIs and the proliferation of APIs, now there is an API for everything. And so now companies have understood that their end user is not always a developer. Their end user is probably a business people. From Toro Cloud, this is the Coding Over Cocktails podcast, a free pool of thoughts, ideas, and advice from IT experts, innovators, and thought leaders exploring the world of digital transformation, APIs, microservices, cloud adoption, and more. Welcome to episode 72 of the Coding Over Cocktails podcast. My name is Kevin Montalbo. In this episode, we have a returning guest who is an entrepreneur, author, and investor in the software and the API industry. He founded the popular API Days conferences in 2012, the main series of conferences on APIs and data portability. He is now the co-founder of Alias, a data protection API engine, and was the co-founder of the API identity portability platform OAuth.io acquired in 2017. He also has several books and reports under his name, which include Continuous API Management, Regulating Big Tech, and The State of the API Industry Landscape 2022 Report, which we'll be talking about today. Joining us for his second round of cocktails is Mehdi Majawi. Hi, Mehdi. Welcome once again. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for having me a second time. Yeah, thank you very much. Right. Before we begin, we'd like to remind our viewers and listeners that you can dive deep into today's episode by visiting our page, torocloud.com slash podcast, where we'll have a full transcript of this podcast episode, show notes, as well as links to resources to be mentioned in the show. You can also download our iPass Martini for free. Martini is Toro Cloud's integration platform without limits. Take charge of your business using a single solution to manage all of your data across applications, databases, and business processes. Try it out and discover why it's the highest rated iPass on G2. Visit torocloud.com slash martini to learn more. All right. So Mehdi, the last time you were here, we talked about enabling GDPR compliance, but today we're going to talk about APIs. Now, before we dive into your findings and the trends that you observed from your report this year, can you give us an overview of what the API industry landscape report is and how you started creating this categorization of API tools, providers, and companies? Yeah, thank you. So the, the API industry landscape is a map. You know, many investors love to build to publish these maps, like, you know, the cloud landscape or the AI landscape, or and these maps try to give uh, an overview about like how the industry is organizing, how it's structuring, like what are the different uh, value chains and who are different providers along the value chain. So we wanted to do one APIs, but we said, okay, uh, let's not do one which is really static. Let's go with one that is highly interactive, you know, that where you can search, you can browse, you can click, you can explore, uh, you can consult a lot more data. So yeah, this is why with uh, Mark Boyd, who is an API journalist and data analyst uh, at Platformable, we decided to, yeah, make a, an API industry landscape to explain to decision makers how the API market is structured, uh, where's the value, uh, what's the value chain and who are the vendors who are uh, populating the value, but also make it in an interactive way where people can find a company, click to know to know more, to have more data, and not do it like a classic uh, VC landscape, which is really static. It just follows uh, because they invest in tech, but they don't uh, <laughs> they don't uh, use tech. 
Yeah, and um, our listeners would be interested in that and they can find the link of your API industry landscape report in this podcast. Uh, speaking of listeners, most of them, they're software architects and they would be interested in the findings, in the trends that you found uh, in your report. So we're going to dive deep into those today. So first and foremost, in your report, you found that there has been an explosion of regulations governing the API industry. So how do you see this impacting the way API tool providers work yes uh, it's true uh so just to sum up like today we gathered 1100 tools api tools in the in the landscape uh right we took the, the major one or the one who are kind of we consider major even some are completely open source but we consider the major to be to be part of the landscape it represents a total of 180 billion dollars of investment so it's, it's it's quite it's quite big uh yes and it's true that uh, let's say regulation have highly impacted the EPI industry landscape, especially the one who started in 2013. Uh, right. In, in 2013, we had two types of regulation happening at the same time. We have like some open data regulations. Like uh, I remember Barack Obama in the U.S. say every public agency should have a, must have an API by the end of the year, uh, you know, because of this open data movement, like um, uh, public sector wanted to publish data openly to third parties. And when they understood that Excel files or CSV files were not the best for uh, building applications, they decided, okay, we need to do it with API. So it has to be, it had, uh, it was a regulation for the public sector. And in the same time, it started mainly in Europe this, uh, uh, for 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 this one, but yeah, we had open banking regulations, so PSD2, Payment Service Directive 2, who pushed and obliged banks to open APIs for account information or payment initiation, and they had five years to do so. But when when we've seen the regulation, uh, let's say many investors and me entrepreneurs say, "Oh my God, like banks will open APIs." Like, so the data from banks will be open. Oh, we need to invest there. And so all the fintech movement has been highly accelerated by this obligation to open API. So many, many, many tools are enabled because of regulation pushing for API, uh, pushing for APIs uh, as a as a way to uh, to answer a regulation. But we've seen also in, in Brazil recently an insurance regulation about APIs. Uh, we've seen sometimes uh, in in uh, in, in Europe, like logistics and supply chain and APIs, and also healthcare. You know, uh, there is a, a famous standard called FIRE, right? And this, the FIRE APIs, uh, let's say, are now uh, an obligation to share data between hospitals or medtech application or whatever via this uh, standardized API. So, uh, yeah, all these, let's say, uh, regulation-driven markets are pushing APIs in uh, as an obligation to use them. And many, many vendors are actually... Uh, having specific product about it or are dedicated to these industries. You can take an example like Yapili or it's it's an open banking platform, uh, a management, API management platform for open banking. They just do open banking, right? It, it enables this new generation of tools. So yeah, so the landscape is quite affected uh, by, uh, by these uh, regulations. Yeah, and it's interesting to note that despite the fact that when we say regulations, it usually is like a roadblock. But in this case, it's opening up more companies to even embrace the APIs, the use of APIs, API tooling, and become part of the API ecosystem. Is that right? Yeah, regulation. Uh, yeah, our offense, our offense is like roadblocks, but these regulations were here to open and to share value. I think I just take the example of open banking. The goal was to say, look, banks, your business model is is to capture customers for 20 years or 30 years in a mortgage. And so you don't have to innovate, right? So the customers, the citizen, the customer behind the citizen, um, right, is not benefiting from 
all the money banks are making and from innovation. So it will oblige banks to open to let third party innovate instead of banks. Banks, you should have innovated the last 30 years. So it was this this is type of regulation that right to redistribute value on the market, uh, like to shuffle the cards, right? To reshuffle the cards. And, and yeah, so this type of regulation is opening new stuff, right? But again, you can have a regulation that obliges you to build tools. It doesn't mean it's a good regulation. You know, uh, for example, if a regulation obliges you to respect certain uh, process or scenario and many startups will, will build company just out of that, doesn't mean it's a good regulation that generate value if it's a blocker. But this one it was not the blocker. It was, uh, it was a, a, an enabler because actually the fintech market has exploded and is now fintech with banking is a lot bigger than banking alone 10 years ago. So it was really value generating for, for everyone, these type of regulations. Yeah, sounds great. Now, uh, I want to jump into your second finding. API security, obviously, is part of API management. But your report uh, in the second trend, it states that API security has become a standalone product with privacy next in line. So let's focus first on the API security uh, aspect. Why do you think this happened? Why has API security become a standalone product? So there are many two reasons why API security is a standalone product. The first one is like the commoditization of API management. So we take it as a trend zero in our report. Uh, let's say API management has been there for 15 years, uh, many acquisitions. Uh, we, we showed the number of acquisitions in the report. So there is a lot of consolidation into big players. Uh, so every cloud vendor has their own API management solution. So let's say the innovation has stopped a kind of a little bit. And also uh, there is a lot of commoditization. So we've seen also players investing in e open source API management like Kong, Gravity, Tyke, Solo. Uh, WSO2 was there for a long time, but they were also open source. So, so now we have a good open source stack uh, that an open source liberate the value. I would not say kill the value, but liberate the value on the core. Uh, so now classic API management tools are, 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 are free of charge uh, if you know how to manage them with open source. So, so yeah, so, so the market needed also to reinvest into making, uh, capturing again, more value. Then we had the regulation. So we've seen many specialization into regulation, like we said just earlier. So many solutions dedicated to banking, healthcare, logistics, supply chain, uh, insurance. But now there's another aspect, which is specializing into the, the, the tech part of API management and API security is definitely one for, for, for different reasons. First, uh, the, the COVID has obliged many companies to go like remote and open endpoints that was, uh, sometimes not managed or, or stuff like that. So they're really the attack surface has been has increased a lot in in emerg in urgency. So um, let's say uh, a lot of companies are not aware, and because it was not managed, they they want to they want a solution that that helps them to to make a shield, uh, right? And also the let's say the the complexity complexity of attack, like you know now cyber security, cyber threat, ransom. Uh, uh, you know, ransom uh, uh, threats are are kind of a new, not, not so new, but like there is a new trend because of these weak endpoints or the, these weak uh, uh, access. And so now company needs to 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 raise the to raise the bar into API security. So this is why we have seen pure API security players over the last years, and we've we've seen really an arm security um, uh, 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 raised. Uh, last year, if you take company like uh, Traceable, No Name Security, Whip Security, um, uh, 42 Crunch, 
uh, sold security, like these five startups raised a $200 million just last, uh, last year, just on pure API security. It's, it's interesting to notice that most of these companies are from Israel, which is a country really known for security, uh, for, from entrepreneurs who were doing security companies, sold their companies, and now attacking the API security landscape. Um, yes, it's, yeah, the API security is really, uh, is really key for these reasons, but also because the API management market has highly ties. And so uh, it, we, the market needs to find products who generate more value. All right. I'd like to go off on a bit of a tangent here, Mehdi, and talk about API as a product. Cause since we're talking about, you know, uh, API security, you know, branching off to this standalone thing. Do you have any findings about API as a product in your trend this year? Yeah. Actually, it's the trend number four. When we say API must be, uh, API now are part of in the infrastructure. Uh, it means that, yeah, now there is an API to do most, most of the thing you want to do. There is or people who already built software and expose it and an API for that. But it's true that the API product mindset, the API product uh, uh, idea um, and practice has pushed many people to invest into APIs, right? And to manage them because it was actually the money maker. It was actually the product of the company. So we need, you want to secure the value. So security is key. Uh, you want to manage the value. So management is key. And, uh, uh, and, and also, um, uh, let's say, uh, many managers are having this product mindset so that, and they understand that APIs are a way to build next generation of products. So this is why also the landscape has maturing because now they want to control the full, what we call API lifecycle management, you know, from the design, documentation, test, uh, 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 security, uh, versioning, promotion, uh, exposition, uh, versioning at the end, you know, they full lifecycle needs to be mastered because it's, it's the product. It's the thing that brings money in the company. It's not just a, a technical tool that the IT teams use for saving some, some time or, or whatever. Now it's the core business. So you need an industry to supply the core business. And this is why the API as a product has really helped the API industry landscape to structure, but in all cases, actually in all the cases. Uh, are, have we come to the point where APIs are, or the term API has slowly, you know, reached the trend where we're talking about it as if regular people are already talking about it? Like, for example, regular people, um, non-developers are already talking about the cloud, you know, they, they already know what the cloud is. Have we come to the point where we're at that level with APIs? It, it's starting. It's starting. Again, uh, at the APIs conferences we run, uh, we've seen that over the last five, six years, many business people talking about APIs, even if they don't know how to use one or how to build one, or uh, they they understand the concept and the power behind it. But still, it's not there yet. I, I'm still doing um, sometimes, uh, you know, evangelization sessions to uh, executive committees about APIs is not just a technical term. You should need to think in terms of business, uh, whatever. So, Let's say it's growing, but it's it's definitely not done yet. More and more business business people are adopting the word APIs and, and the mindset behind it, but definitely the top management is not there yet, uh, and and it's not spread across across uh, all all department. Even in the IT department, not every technician has the API mindset to understand why APIs are important for the business. APIs as a product, they still believe in API is just an interface to connect to applications, which it is. But it's not in an open API economy. This is not only that. It has also business implications. So, so it def- it's definitely not there yet. But I would say 
even the cloud, when you ask about the cloud, if you really ask people what is the cloud and what, there is less people that understand it than, than we think. Yeah, and I think that uh, your answer leads perfectly to to my next question, and which is the which is one of the trends that you actually found, and this is about the emergence of low code development platforms and the birth of citizen developers. Uh, you said that it was triggered by the rise of these APIs. So, what what do you think is next in this space? Yeah, uh, it's true. The low code and no code uh, aspect is really booming. Uh, I, I often take this example like now we have no code boot camps. Uh, like, uh, you know, we uh, 10 years ago we had code boot camps, like three months to learn how to code approximately and then to start as a, as a, as a programmer. And then you will learn along the way. Now we have no code bootcamp, right? So three months to learn how to no code or how to code with, uh, I don't know how to say it, but uh, like your no coder or whatever. I don't know. But, but the thing is, yeah. <laughs> citizen developer. Yeah, citizen yeah. developer. But the thing is, uh, yes, with a platform like Bubble, uh, Notion or Zapier or, you know, who are able to um, enable like, Really, the widgetification of of the of the of the business. Uh, there is a there is a widget. There is an app and integration uh, a snippet uh, for for everything that you connect this snippet together, and you are able to build uh, to build quite quite interesting applications. Just just said the no code low code aspect has been there for thirty years. We tried to help people to do no code, but it was never really able to to achieve a certain point. Now it seems we achieve a point where companies make millions of dollars with no-code tools, right? You know, they, they're able to bootstrap their first million of revenue without even a line of code from their teams and without the developer in the team. And we even see developers adopting no-code tools because when it's ready, why, why would we invest in code where uh, it's, I can do it with no-code so I can invest code time and, and bandwidth on something else. So, so the trend is, is really there. And also we see many... Uh, we lack of developers, so we see a lot of people who uh, try to uh, to make a move in their in their careers. And with no code, you have a learning curve that is higher. Of course, at the end, you there are things you cannot do with with no code, but the the the, cur- the learning curve to do something valuable is really really fast. With a, as a coder, you make maybe six months, one year to be, have a level of doing something valuable. With no code, it's it's few weeks, right, to do something really really valuable. Uh, that a coder would take two or three years to write. So that's 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 really the, the first the the idea behind what's what's happening. The second thing is that yes, because of APIs and the proliferation of APIs, now there's an API for everything. As we said, there there are really a layer of infrastructure for for the whole uh, digital uh, uh, world. And so now companies have understood that their end user is not always a developer. Their end user is probably business people, business manager, business product, or whatever. So let's say no code is just another way to expose your API. You know, you can expose your APIs as REST or GraphQL, you know, like really raw for developers. You can have SDKs, you know, to help developers to integrate it better, right? But you can have embed code, right? You know, so snippet of code that you can embed, everybody can embed to have. And so you can, so you can have widgets, right? So it's another way to expose your APIs to make it more consumable. And so I consider no code as a, 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 a more, abstract way than a widget, but a more abstract way to to expose your APIs, to be able to share it with others, to mix it with other APIs, and to include it into, let's say, business environment. So I, I would I'd consider no-code as a part of the developer experience, but it's a developer experience that is so abstract and so simple that it's 
can even be a customer experience, not only a developer experience, but also a customer experience. So this is the trend. And we've seen companies like um, uh, Zapier, uh, we've seen uh, uh, Retool, we've seen uh, AppSheet acquired by uh, APG for $2 billion. Uh, you know, like all these companies in the, in the no-code environment are really booming uh, and they're highly evaluated because they understand that I think we have uh, 0.03% of the planet who is a developer and we need like 20 times, 30 times more than that. So we will need more people to, to, to onboard. And this is the, the, the piece they have is that, yeah, we, we, there are, we lack 25, 30 million developers. Uh, so we definitely need to have tools for these people. And the next developers, maybe not developers. They will be business people who understand how to mix things, you know, Airtable, uh, some, some stuff like that. Yeah, I think, uh, I hope the next API days would, you know, sponsor these no code camps and in the they, future. And they will. Anyway. And, and they will, you know, at next yeah, yeah. Paris in December, we have a no code day, like the track about no code a full day. Excellent. Excellent. Now, uh, in your report, you analyzed each category of the API landscape. So in your report, which category showed the biggest innovation or growth? Uh, that you observed this year? So the, 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 the biggest innovation and growth is definitely the what we call the API as a product or business process as a service. Uh, you know, this is the trend number four. This is really where um, like we see most of innovation because it's quite decentralized innovation. Many entrepreneurs, they see a business process that is manual or still owned by Excel or that is relying on old technologies and say, okay, we should build an API for that. Take the example of some company like uh, I recently see, like Impala. They try to do a, 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 a full aggregator for hotels. You know, like hotels have issues to publish their data on the web. They all they only go to what we call a hospitality management system, uh, which are owned by old players, which are expensive uh, and not innovating. So they try to liberate hotels uh, to be able to share their data anywhere. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, in, in, in fintech and in insurance, in healthcare, in supply chain. Uh, again, many, many startups are ev- evaluating, uh, evolving into, into, into API models, right? And in all type of industries or, uh, you know, like every business process can be under an API. And this is where we see a lot of, a lot of innovation. I've seen a background check APIs, you know, to know if you need to hire someone, uh, you can have uh, APIs to make forms, like, you know, type forms and others. You know, there is an API for everything. So the innovation and the growth mostly come from this business process as a service. And that actually make the, the really API economy digital infrastructure. When you think there is an API for that, it's because there is an entrepreneur who had a API mindset and built, built an API to do that. So this is where we see the most, most of innovation. Yeah, and it's the most approachable too. I think, like for for someone who is not a developer, for them to discover APIs, that's gonna be the, like their first jump off point into the world or yeah, yeah but the, landscape, so to speak. Yeah, but this this part, the API, when you have more number of more APIs, actually, you have more API tools to need to manage them. So that's that's uh, that drives the the, uh, the landscape on one part, but that also drives the way you need to integrate them. So like Torocrad, but uh, the, all the iPass, <laughs> you know, like the iPass also see some innovation. Uh, some new iPass are coming because new APIs, more APIs, more protocols, more, uh, more, more designs and everything. You need to understand like the fragmentation. You need to orchestrate 
this now 10, 15, 100, 200 APIs you integrate in your system. So you need new ways to integrate and orchestrate what you integrate in your system with security, with uh, 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 with uh, coding really fast, um, all these different APIs who are different data formats and export formats and everything. Uh, so yeah, so it also drives innovation into the integration platform as a service. And last but not least, the aggregation APIs, you know, the one people who say one APIs for all banks or one APIs for all hotels or one APIs for all hospitals also is driven by these, uh, these, these new, these, these new uh, APIs because uh, let's say the API is a product because at some point, the more you have, uh, some people really want simplification. So they really want to be the, the single, the one-stop shop for, uh, for all APIs from the sector. So uh, yeah, specification drives uh, uh, agglomeration. But in a few years, we, have, we, we may have too much agglomeration. And so we will want to have specification again. And this is the history of software. Yeah, so um, I'd like to wrap this this conversation by asking you, uh, I'm not sure if you really have a direct answer to this because you've been working with APIs for years, but which finding or trend this year most surprised you and your team? What, what, what was the most surprising thing about or trend about the API landscape this year? Oh, of course I have an answer to, to that question. I always have an answer <laughs> to questions. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing is, no... For me, uh, again, uh, maybe biased, but the, the main, the, the most surprising things I've seen is like the the appearance of privacy concerns into API management, right? I, 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 I thought I thought people will, will not care really about privacy in the next five years and it will be only really later they will care about privacy. But we've seen the emergence of pure privacy gateways company, like company who are, who, who, who on top of API management, they don't do just security. They do also privacy, they check regulations. Uh, we've seen also companies who check uh, data retentions. You know, if the API, you uh, have access to something uh, to check the data actually is not obsolete because of a privacy regulation. And last but not least, you know, in, in API security, you have what we call uh, access management or access control management. And we've seen also some companies who help to do what we call purpose-based access management. So now it's not about like the technicality of does someone has an access to API? This is app ID, uh, this, does this app ID has these scopes to access the data they request? But no, now is that does this app has the right, the legal right to access this data because the consent has been shared with the user or uh, to uh, to do just an example you you give your data for marketing purposes just market communication purposes right you know newsletter uh, but yes yeah, someone in the CRM for sales say okay like i will pull this data from the database through the api you know to have to be able to have uh, to to have it in the CRM to have sales but the consent has been done just for marketing for, for communication not for sales so now we see gateways that analyze the purpose say look yeah the CRM is not it's not identified as, a, uh, let's say, uh, uh, on the same purpose than the consent of the user. No, sorry, I give you an error. But so we see new type of errors in APIs, like, you know, the errors like 401 unauthorized or 403 forbidden. Now we see this type of errors because of a regulation or privacy concerns that was not, were not see that so much before. So it's actually surprising we see that earlier. Uh, right, and some companies like uh, Exate, for example, are doing some pure API um, API privacy gateways and stuff like that, and, and so many others. So, yeah, it's a trend that actually I was surprised to see early. Uh, I thought it was in a few years, but now we see that coming in 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 the, in the API space. Yes, with this and no code, as actually are the two surprises of the year. 
like privacy, so more regulation, more privacy check at the API level because it's really the, 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 at the interface where everything happens. And, you know, people don't want to see it at the database. They don't want to, to touch code at the app. They just want to see the flow if the flow is going, right? And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and also the no code aspect. Uh, uh, yes. And I will just share the last example. Um, you're familiar with ETL, you know, extract, transfer, load, you know, uh, technologies to, to move data. There's a company who is actually really surprising called Airbyte. They do an open source ETL uh, that they are the huge community they raised $180 million in less than one year. It's, they're really booming. Uh, but the thing is, yes, uh, I talked to their CEO recently. He told me, yeah, actually, when we have one issue where then when we move data from one application to another is checking if the regulation uh, works, right? Uh, and so they look for people to do open source components on that. So yeah, definitely privacy for me is the, is the surprise of the year. But no code is not a surprise, but uh, it's uh, it's really interesting to see how how big it comes. Uh, it's surprising in a way that how 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 big it comes compared to how fast it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. So interesting findings there, Mehdi. Uh, before we wrap up, can you tell us where our listeners can fully read and appreciate your report? I think they'll find some more stuff in there. Uh, we just scratched the surface over here at Coding Over Cocktails, and of course, uh, can you share with them where they can follow your activities and updates on API days and all that good stuff happening. Yeah. So if you're interested about every API news and, and API conferences, so you can go on two websites. So API is dot global for everything about conferences. I, I do, a, I, I do a, a, a sum up of the, and a, and a quarterly uh, update of the landscape, every conference. So you, you can, you will be able to see like uh, some updates of the landscape at every conference uh, and you can attend to these. Uh, we're back in person this year. So that's, uh, that will be a lot of fun. You can go on apiscene.io, so E-P-I-S-C-E-N-E.io. It's an, our media platform where we actually we host the API landscape report that you will be able to download in full uh, for free, uh, uh, right? And, uh, and yes, if you're interested, interested about data privacy, you can follow what I do on alias.dev, A-L-I-S.dev uh, for if you're interested about API for privacy. All right. Appreciate the time, Mandy. Thank you very much for joining us for another round of Coding Over Cocktails. Thank you very much, Kevin. Hey, listeners. Thank you for joining us in this round of Cocktails. Please like and subscribe to check out other episodes of this podcast series. We're also available on your favorite podcast platforms, or you can simply listen in at torocloud.com where you'll find full episode transcripts and show notes. On behalf of the team here at Toro Cloud, thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers! Cheers!